the presence and the love of Jesus in this place this morning? Isn't it overwhelming? It's amazing. I don't know about you, but I've had a pretty difficult week. My mother has just uh, had to go into the nursing home and been in the hospital and released from the nursing home. And I was waking with a call from my dad uh, about a week ago. Son, I'm just over my head. I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction we're going to go in. And I just took that morning and prayed. I said, God, you've got to, you've got to make a way because I don't see a way here. I don't see a way, and, and I began to pray, and then God just began putting some people in my pathway that day that led me to, to, to get a place where we could put my mother just five minutes from my home that's being built right now, and for her to get the kind of care that she needed. She has Alzheimer's, and, and just to, to see my mom you know, adjusting over the last week, it's, it's been difficult things. I don't know about you today, but I just needed the love of Jesus today. I needed the church just to speak to me today and to encourage me and to uplift me today. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you no matter what you're going through. No matter what situation or circumstance that surrounds you in your life today, you need to know that you matter to God, that you count, and that you can count on Christ to come through for you in your time of need and your situations and circumstances of life. Jesus will never fizzle. He'll never fade. He will never fail. He will always be there for you. And I'm grateful for a God that cares for us like that. Amen? It's, it's grateful that we have a God like that. I'm grateful for a church like this. It's great to be back with you. My wife and son and I had an opportunity to visit with you a couple of months ago in one of the Sunday morning services, and we just had such a great time. It's such a fantastic church. I appreciate Brother Tim giving me the opportunity and privilege to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you today. I want to tell you something. You have one of the best pastors in the entire Southern Baptist Convention. If you don't, there is no doubt about that. He is an excellent communicator of the Word of God. He loves his church. He's an excellent in pastoral care. He has a skill set that's absolutely second to none in leading this congregation. You have a phenomenal staff. This is a great loving church. And, and something like this, this doesn't happen. God's hand is on it. Don't take that for granted. Protect it carefully. Love one another deeply. And be grateful that God has given you a place such as this to worship him and to come into to his presence on a weekly basis. We have a good God. Today I want us to, to focus on Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. But we're going to find out what the Scripture has to say to us this morning. In Luke 19, uh, starting in, in verse 1 of our text this morning. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your home. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek to save the lost." And as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. 
and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. What a powerful passage of Scripture we have. You know, one of the, the many great needs that we have in our life is to feel that we have value and significance and worth and that we matter. That's one of the basic needs that we have to be fulfilled in our life. And when we think about how society says that we feel these things, society says there's four ways that make you significant. But I would contest and contend with you today that God's Word says there's a much different way than society's way. One of the four ways that society says that, that you have to have significance and worth is first, that we judge ourselves by our appearance. How do I look? If I look good, I must be good. You know, I don't know about you, but I get up usually every morning, take a shower, I leather up and, and get the hair washed. And, you know, I use the Pantene Pro-V formula on my hair. And, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever looked on the bottle of shampoo? It says, it says, it says lather up, rinse, then what? That's just a sales tactic to get you buy more shampoo. If you can't get your hair clean the first time through, you've got some problems. I mean, you know, you need to work harder, scrub a little bit more on it. But I want to tell you, a bottle of shampoo lasts me a long time, allows me to get more money in missions. It's a good thing. And so, you know, we just got to thank God for the good things he brings into our life. But you need to understand that, that society says that they're going to judge themselves on their appearance. We look at that in print ad or TV. It's all a visual stimulating lure is what's out there of the devil today to help us to say, oh, the visually stimulating is what's going to satisfy me. If it looks good, it must be good. That's what society says. A second thing that society says that, that if we're going to have significance and value and worth in our culture today is that we judge our worth by our achievement. What have I accomplished? How successful am I? How many certificates do I have hanging on the wall? I have a good friend of mine who was a pastor here in the association who was telling me about an estate auction that he recently went to. It was a big house, and, and they were auctioning not only the house, but the contents of the house. And inside one of these rooms they went in, it was his trophy room. He had an entire room dedicated to trophies and big game and certificates and diplomas and ribbons and, and, and medals and anything that, that society would say you would get that say, I've achieved, that I've succeeded in life. The kids didn't want it because he had spent his entire lifetime going after these achievements instead of spending time with them. So when it came time to sell it off, you know what the achievements of his life were worth? $2.50. $2.50. Don't let your life come down at the end of it being worth $2.50. There are two things that are going to last forever. People and the Word of God. And you need to place your importance on those two things because those things matter. There's where you'll find significance and value and meaning and worth. Not in the achievements that the world says that you have to attain or to get. Third way that our culture today says that if you're going to be successful, if you're going to feel significance and value and worth, is that we judge our worth on our approval if I'm liked, then I must be worth something. Let me tell you something, my friends. People can turn on you on a dime. In the military, we call it an about face. They can be this way and that way in just a moment. Jesus himself rode into Jerusalem a hero on Palm Sunday and was a zero by Friday. 
If the Son of God who committed no sin, who was perfect, and people could turn on him, don't you think they can turn on you on a dime? Don't you think that they will? Don't, don't, don't base your self-worth on your approval rating. Our politicians try to lead this way. I'll tell you, we need people to lead by conviction, not by popularity. And in your own church, you need to lead by conviction. And, you know, you need to understand, hey, that, that my, my, my Savior and Lord is more important than my buddies or my Sunday school class. It's my Jesus that matters. He's the one that should be first and foremost in my life. And so, you know, society says we judge our worth on our approval. A fourth thing, society says the way we judge our worth, and that's we judge our worth by our affluence. How much do I have? Do I have a nice house? Do I have a nice car? Do I have a big bank account? Do I have, do I have my stocks in order? Do I have my retirement account here? Do I have gold? Do I have silver? Do I have platinum? Do I have palladium? What is, the world says all these things, this affluence is what's going to give you significance and value and meaning and worth. I want to tell you, you can lose that and, and quickly. Just as quickly as it comes, it can go. Now, the problem with these four standards is that none of them are stable and that they can change. Think about your appearance for a moment. You know, do you look the same way today you did five years ago, ten years ago? Now, I get up every morning. I take a shower most days, shave most days. And when I'm in the shower, I use the Mary Kay. I use that cleansing stuff. With the, and, and then I put on the lotion with the SPF 15 and, and, you know, get my head all leathered up and everything. But it don't matter how much lotion you put on. Over time, it ain't going to work. That's just, the, the beauty fades. I mean, let's just face the facts. Beauty fades. So if you think you're going to, to judge yourself worth on how good you look, well, that won't last for long. That's all i got to tell you. Now, we need to understand, what are you going to do when your beauty fades and you're old, you're ugly, and you're broke if you judge your life on these standards? What are you going to do? You know, now, now Zacchaeus here, and this particular passage of Scripture had a better way of doing life, a better way of, of finding value and significance and worth. See, see, when you look at Zacchaeus by the world's standards, he had failed in three out of the four. The only thing that he had got going for him is he, he was rich, and he had done it on, on, on swindling other people out of what they had. And so society, in the eyes of society, Zacchaeus wasn't much. He wasn't much except that he had some, some, some worth monetarily. Now, Zacchaeus, in this passage of Scripture here, it says that Jesus was going through the city of Jericho. Now, I've been to Jericho before. It's, it's right near the lowest place on earth, right down around the Dead Sea. And not only was it a low place, Zacchaeus was a low life. And, and, and Jesus was passing through Jericho. He just happened to be going through there, and somehow... Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. He wanted to, to see Jesus. And so he just wanted to get a glimpse of him. And, and, and here he was. He came today to a point in a place where Jesus was going to intersect his life. Now let me ask you the question this morning. Have you come here today feeling a little down on yourself? A little confused? Maybe a little lonely, a little isolated, unloved? Well, I want to tell you, you've come to the right place because this is a place of hope. And Jesus is the source of all hope and your help in your life. So if you're here today, down the skirts, kind of like I was a little bit today. And I got lifted up. God's encouraged me. He's, he's my source of help, and he is my source of hope. I want to tell you, 
you are in the right place. Now, how do we know how we can have hope even when things are going wrong in your life? If they haven't gone wrong yet, wait, they will. And if they aren't, they're coming. That's all I can tell you. Everything is not always going to go right in your life. You need to realize that. Because we know that we matter to God even during those difficult circumstances and situations and times of our life, we can have the power and the strength to go on because we know that we matter to God. Now think about what was going on in Zacchaeus' life. The story about Zacchaeus gives us three fundamental truths that you should know about how you should feel about you. Not the way the world says that you should feel about you, but the way the Word says that you should feel about you. I don't know about you, friends, but I'll take the Word over the world any day. Amen? Because I'll tell you, this Word is never going to fail. It's never going to pass away. It's going to go into eternity. There's going to be a new world one day, a new heaven, new earth, the Bible tells us. So what are you going to put your, what are you going to hit your horse to and your wagon to? Is it going to be the Word or the world? I want to trust in the Word because it's everlasting. It never fails. It's eternal. The world's going to change. And I want to tell you, you need to get your perspective right in the sight of God and what you place your value and significance and worth about your life in. So first we see that no matter how insignificant I feel, Jesus notices me. Isn't that a good word? No matter how I feel, Jesus notices me. As Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man, but he was also a very lonely man. We know that, that, that you know, it came to a point and a place in Jericho here that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So he did two things that a rich Middle Eastern man would never do. He ran and he climbed a tree. When's the last time you've seen a rich man run and climb a tree? Now, that, that just doesn't happen a lot. Now, why did Zacchaeus do that? Because he knew Jesus was in town. He knew he was there. Jesus was there. And the only way he would position himself for Jesus to intersect his life was for him to hurry and get to a point and a place where he could see Jesus. Now, friends, if you are wise here today, and you are because you come to church this morning, you've positioned yourself and placed yourself at a point and a place where Jesus can intersect your life with the cross of Christ. And that's a very wise thing for you to do. And we want to see more people do that in our community, in our country, and around the world. We want to see people position themselves where Christ can intersect their lives. We need to pray that God would position and place people on the pathway of individuals that are looking for significance and value and worth in the way the world is, but help them to see that won't work. But Jesus will. So we need to help them to understand and help to position them. And you can be a positioner. You can invite someone to be a church with you. You can pray for someone. You can place someone in their pathway that might be an encouragement or a source of help or strength to them if they're going through a troubling time or difficult circumstance. You need to position yourself where you can intersect your life like Zacchaeus did with Jesus. So here he is, a wealthy man climbing a tree. And then in Luke 19, 5, We see that when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up. In a packed out crowd of people pressing around, Jesus looks up the tree as Zacchaeus. 
Now, that's typically not normal, you know, looking up a tree. If you want to hunt deer, you get up a tree because they don't look up. But, you know, here was Jesus. He's looking up the tree, and, and he's looking at me, Zacchaeus. So what is going on here? Now, why did that happen? In, in, in a packed-out crowd, I can imagine Zacchaeus' blood pressure beginning to rise. His, start, his heart starts to pound. His brow begins to sweat. Because what's the one thing you don't want to have happen to you in a crowd? To be singled out, right? You don't want to be singled out. That's exactly what Jesus did to Zacchaeus. He singled him out in the midst of the crowd. Now, what was going on here? Why did Jesus do that? Why would Jesus be so insensitive to care about what the crowd would think about Zacchaeus? I don't think Jesus is concerned about what the crowd thinks about you. I think Jesus is concerned about what you think about him. And that's what needs to happen in our lives. We need to get that perspective in our lives, in our hearts, and with our eyes. Because Jesus weren't concerned about the crowd. He was concerned about the one individual that was seeking him and looking for him and longing for him and trying to just get a glimpse of him. And maybe you're here today, and you're just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. You're seeking him. You're hurting. You're lonely. You're isolated. You're dealing with some difficulties of life. You may be short. You know, you, you may be uh, whatever it is you may be. God notices you. He notices you. And that's the point, my friends. Why did Jesus do that? Why did he stop right there at that tree and look up? Because he knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. Here's the point. God knows exactly where you are today. You may be up a tree. You may be out on a limb. You're up a tree and out on a limb. Maybe that, that you have a relationship that isn't working. It may be a spouse or maybe a child in a difficult relationship. It may be you got a house that won't sell, a mortgage you can't make, a job that you can't find, a health condition you can't seem to get healed over. You're up a tree and out on a limb could be anything. But I want you to know Jesus knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are in your situation or circumstance in life, just like he knew where Zacchaeus was. You know... You may be in a hole. You may think that God has forgotten about you and that God is a thousand miles away. But I want to tell you this. God has never taken his eye off of you. He's got his eye on you because you matter to God. Now, we have a hard time imagining that God pays that much attention to us because we simply just don't pay that much attention to God. How many of you watch at least a half hour of television a day? Half hour, come on, it's, it's confession time. Hands up. I see that hand. Do you realize that in a half hour of television a day that there are eight minutes of commercials during a half hour television program? Now, if you would just take the time and those eight minutes of commercials to read the Bible every day, guess what you could do in one year? You could read the Word through in one year. A oh, preacher, I ain't got time to read the Word. You got time to watch TV? You got time to read the Word. The problem is, do you realize that less than, less than 11% of Southern Baptists read their Bible daily? And we used to be known as people of the book. You know, we can't be people of the book if we're not getting into the book. And it's getting into us. You know, one of the most important things you can do 
with your life is to read and study and live the Bible. It will radically transform the way you think, the way you feel, and the way that you act. You know, if you don't get into God's Word, then it's not going to get into you. You've got to get into God's Word. You've got to get connected to Sunday school class. If you're here today and you're not a part of a Sunday school class, you're just coming and soaking in all this good stuff. It's good preaching from Pastor Tim, and it's great worship. But you're not in Sunday school class, you're missing something vital. The opportunity to be connected with this small community where people who care about one another and love one another and, and are there for one another. Friends, you need to get in a Sunday school class where you can get into the Word and, and, and study God's Word together. Now, Jesus has seen every hurt that you have ever felt. He has seen every sadness that you've ever had. And he's, 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 he's seen every tear that you have ever cried. He knows it all. In Luke 12, God never overlooks a sparrow. And he pays even greater attention to you down to the very last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. For some of us, no big deal. For others, big deal. You know what? God doesn't put marble tabletops on cheap furniture. I'm a highly <laughs> precious prize to God. You know, I matter to God. And it's, it's important. Now, Brother Rod can relate to me here, man. I'm telling you, God is, is good. And we need to thank God for what he has given us or what he has chosen not to give us. You know, we have a good and a gracious God. The second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture that is very good for us to, to get a handle on is that no matter what other people say, Jesus affirms me. Let me, in, let, me let you in on a little secret. People are going to talk about you in this life. Some people are going to say some negative things about you in this life. If, it's, if you're a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, don't be talking negatively about a brother or sister in Christ. We need to build the body of Christ. The world's going to tear us down enough. We need to build one another up. We need to be encouragers to one another. We need to lift one another up. So no matter what other people say, Jesus affirms me. So we need to understand that all of Zacchaeus' life, he had been ridiculed and he had been rejected. First by his appearance, then by his actions. But Jesus did something else. Not only did Jesus stop at the tree and look up, but notice what happens. Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, think about that. Jesus knew his name and Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your name. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you in a way that, that will make an incredible difference in your life. So no matter what other people say about you, you need to know that you matter to God. It's not so much of what other people say about you, but what does the Lord Jesus speak into you in your life? And how are you going to live for Jesus? A third thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that no matter what I have done, Jesus wants me no matter what I've done Jesus wants me Jesus invited himself home to Zacchaeus's house for dinner have you ever had somebody do that to your house you know my wife gets on me all the time I'll drag somebody in a nephew or a buddy oh they're showing up for dinner and she looks at me like come on really we're a family of three 
we don't have a lot of extra food. That's all right, honey. And so I'm always dragging somebody in the house. And I'll just set another plate or two. It'll work out. And, 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 you know, have you ever had somebody just invite themselves over to your house unexpectedly? You know, that, that's, that's when it gets difficult. But what was, what was Zacchaeus' reaction? Oh, no, not enough food. It says that Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully, did it not? He received Jesus joyfully. Are you receiving Jesus joyfully when he intersects in your life at points and places where you need him to be? Is, is the reaction and the emotion that you have in life joy? Because there is joy on this journey with Jesus, my friends. There is joy. And if joy is missing from your life, then you need to reevaluate this walk that you've got with Jesus. Because there is joy when Jesus intersects your life. Now, there was some people in this passage that, that didn't have joy. Now, Jesus invited himself over to, to, to Zacchaeus, but not all the people felt joy in their heart. The reaction from the crowd was swift and brutal. All the people saw this and they began to complain, Jesus is staying with a sinner. Now, friends, I want to tell you, sometimes people can be rough on you. You know what I'm saying? You need to be concerned about what Jesus thinks about you, though, rather than what the crowd thinks about you. You need to be concerned about what Jesus thinks about you, rather than what someone in church might think about you. Your value, significance, and worth is based on what Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the power of God this very day, ruling and reigning with him. You know, you need to be concerned about what God thinks about you. Now, when we think about this for a minute, uh, what it, does it matter? It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've done it at, who you've done it with, how many times you've done it. Jesus still wants you. He still wants you. That doesn't mean we don't change once we come to our life in Christ. But we need to know that you have value and significance and worth to God. Jesus takes initiative and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. The truth is, we've all done a lot of things we feel ashamed of, said things we shouldn't have said, done things we shouldn't have done. We all have our own brand of selfishness. Let me ask, anybody in here have a $100 bill today? I got a picture of a $100 bill up here on the slide. Anybody got a $100 bill? I'll give it back, I promise. I need to borrow it for a minute. Anybody got a $100 on them? Surely somebody in this crowd has got a $100. I'm not, all right, I need to borrow it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll bring it back to you, I promise. Let me go back here. I want to check make sure it's good legal tender cash money. You know what I mean? Make sure this is some cash money. I'll bring it back. If I don't, I'll give it for missions, all right? All right. Amen. Lottie Moon is saying, we skippity-doo-dah. Hundred today. My, oh, my, what a wonderful way. $100 bill, cash money. How many of you like to have this $100 bill? How many? All right. Why do you want this $100 bill? That's right, because it's rich. It has value and it has significance. Old Benjamin Franklin's on the front of this thing here. This is a $100 bill, cash money, has great value, great significance, great worth. <laughs> now how many of you want this $100 bill? We 
Why do you want this $100 bill? Because it still has its value. You may have been spit on, stomped on, spun around, crinkled and crumbled up a little bit, but I want to tell you something, my friends. You still matter to God. God loves you. He cares about you. And you matter to Him. I'm going to take this back so I don't forget to, to, to give it back to her here. But I want you to know you matter to God. More than 100, more than 200, more than anything that God has. Uh, put it in the plate for missions then if you don't want it. You know, it does not matter what you've done, where you've done it, who you've done it with, how many times you've done it. Jesus still wants you, my friend. Jesus says, there's a Father who has given me all things, and I give to you forgiveness and freedom and love. And that's what Jesus offers to each and every one of us. And Zacchaeus learns in Luke 19, 8 and 9, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I'll give them back four times the amount. Jesus replied, salvation has come to this household today. And then the next verse that it talks to us about, it talks about that, that as they were coming up to Jerusalem, they were thinking that the end of time was near. Now Zacchaeus had a change of heart. But I want to tell you something, my friends. There's two outcomes that await for all of us, and they're judgments. One will be the great white throne judgment, the other will be the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are, we're all going to stand before a judgment of God. One's for the believers, one is for the unbelievers. Now, today, salvation has come to the household of Zacchaeus, Jesus said. Zacchaeus came into a right relationship with God through Jesus, and he was adopted into the family of God, the family of Abraham. Friends, maybe you're here today, and you need to get a right relationship with God. Maybe you need to be adopted into the family of God. Because if you're not, let me tell you, let me give you a prelude of coming attractions. Look in your Bible, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Go to that scripture. And we talk, keep on going. And then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it, on heaven and earth, and fled from its presence, and no place was found in them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and the books were open another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books now then the sea gave up its dead and death and Hades gave up their dead all were George judged according to their works death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, let's think about this for a moment. The final destination for your relative, your co-worker, your neighbor, if they do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, is lake fire. Let's just be honest today. It's the lake of fire. If you're not in Christ, this is where you're going to end up, in the lake of fire. You say, well, that doesn't apply to me, Pastor, because I'm, I'm a believer. Well, let's look at the judgment that you're going to deal with. There's a second judgment that we're going to have. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ. Let's look at, at Scripture and see what it tells us here. And this is Romans 10, uh, Romans 14, verse 10 and 12. But you, why do you criticize your brother? We have in this passage Zacchaeus, 
people criticizing Zacchaeus because he had an encounter with Christ. Jesus asked the question, why do you criticize your brother? Are you, why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the tribunal of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will praise and give thanks to me, to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Believe if you're here today, what is it that you're going to give an account of yourself to God about? Four things. What you did with your time, your talent, your treasure, and your tongue. Did you hear me? Church, what are you doing with your time? Are you using it wisely? You know, life is but a vapor, but a blade of grass. And we only have so much time to do something for the Lord with the time he's given us. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your talent? How has God equipped you? How have you been skilled? What's your spiritual giftedness? Are you using it back in service for the Lord? What are you doing with your treasure? Are you investing back into the kingdom of God through the tithes and offerings of your church? I'll tell you something, friends. You can't outgive God. And what are you doing with your tongue? Are you criticizing your brother like these people in Zacchaeus' day were? Are you lifting up the Lord's name? And letting people see the love that you have for Jesus. Because he's intersected your life at the cross of Christ. And he's made a difference. That's the two options that you have, my friends. Either you're going to end up in the lake of fire. Or you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account of your life. But I can guarantee you this. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what does that lead us to this morning? Next slide here. Let's think about this for a moment. Zacchaeus is a public demonstration of a change of heart. Maybe this morning you need to make a public demonstration that Jesus has changed your heart as well. How can you do that? Well, let's look at several ways. Number one, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But my friends, Jesus... Jesus is the author of life. He's the forgiver of our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, not go to lake of fire, but have everlasting life and be granted entrance into the new heaven and new earth that God is going to create. It's going to be a great and grand and glorious thing. So today make a wise choice to accept Jesus if you're here today and you've not ever done that with your life. What's another way we can respond? Be baptized. Have you received baptism by a believer's baptism by immersion? Where you went under the water and came back out of the water? Have you identified with Christ? The first thing Jesus did as he began his public ministry was to be baptized. And if you're a believer and you've not been baptized, you need to identify with the body of Christ through baptism. Maybe you've been a believer a long time, but you've never been baptized. Maybe today you need to come and say, I'm going to follow through on my commitment to Christ and my first act of obedience to the believer's baptism, being baptized. What's another way that we can respond publicly? Join fellowship with the church. Maybe you've been coming here a long time, and, and your life is here, but your letter's somewhere else. It's over there. Bring your letter where your life is and be a part of this dynamic, vibrant, growing church that's seeking to serve Jesus. What's another way that you can respond? Rededicate your life to God. You say, Jesus, you know, you intersected my life just like you did Zacchaeus's at one time. And, and I had joy like Zacchaeus did when I first encountered you. 
but my joy has waned. And it, it, it's, it's not quite what it once was. Maybe you just need to come to this altar this morning and say, I, I really do understand how much I matter to you, God. And that there is joy on this journey with Jesus. And maybe here today you need to respond in that way by coming and just, just laying it out before the Lord and saying, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for showing me how much I matter to you. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you in any way, I want to encourage you to come as we stand to sing this invitation. Your, your staff is going to be down front to receive you and pray with you in any way, any need that you might have. If God's speaking to you today, perhaps to come to him for the first time, to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, to rededicate your life, to join fellowship with this church, to be baptized, whatever it is God's laid on your heart, I want to encourage you to come right now as we stand to sing our hymn of invitation.